I think we have some Lord of the Rings fans here in the room. And so you might be familiar with the story of King Aragorn, the king of Arnor and Gondor, and his, you know, his famous phrase before, or his famous, um, uh, you know, uh, pump up to the to to the soldiers before that battle at the Dark Gate, where he says, "Stand your ground, sons of Gondor, my brothers. I see in your eyes the same fear that would take the heart of me. A day may come." when the courage of man fails, when we forsake our friends and break all bonds of fellowship. But it is not this day, that famous phrase. An hour of wolves and shattered shields when the age of man comes crashing down. But it is not this day. Today we fight, he continues to say. It is the cry of a king, as we know the story of King Aragorn, a king without the kingdom, a king who has to claim back that kingdom. And so he decides to fight. It is the cry of a king ready to fight to get back that kingdom. And it is similar to our gospel tonight in the solemnity of Christ the King, where we see the great king, Jesus, but he is crying out to get back his kingdom in the hearts of men. And there's an apparent contradiction in the gospel today between, between that kingdom and Christ as a king as we celebrate tonight and the circumstances that we read about in the gospel. This is the king hanging on a cross, powerless, with only a few followers around him, John and Mary. And they're not even fighting, but they remain silent in front of the terrible scene. Nonetheless, Jesus doesn't renounce the title of king. On the contrary, he promises even more confidently, today you will be with me in paradise. So we can ask ourselves, where is that kingdom? What is it? How does it look like? And Jesus says in the Gospel of Luke, the kingdom of God is in your midst so Jesus, we know that in pointing to the kingdom of God, he pointed to himself. He points to himself and he says, I am the kingdom of God. Everything that you would expect of that kingdom, everything that the Father came to bring into the world, that transformation, the new order, the new values, the new laws, the new hierarchy of that kingdom, the new order, all that is contained in one person, Jesus Christ, so that those who believe in him may have eternal life, as he said. So those who open their hearts to Jesus Christ and make them the center of their lives, all of the sudden, regardless of the external situation, they start living in that kingdom, a kingdom that is founded only in hearts, in the hearts of men and women who decide to open to him. As we see in the gospel today with that scene at the cross, this kingdom has two main characteristics. It is a kingdom that is invisible and it is a kingdom that is invincible. So I'd like to 
uh, touch on briefly on, on each of those. In the first place, it is a kingdom that is invisible, invisible to the eye, so that the worldly, ambitious person may not see it and be deceived. Even though things that are visible many times seem to be the most solid and consistent, give it enough time, they will pass. How many empires we have seen that seem to be powerful and unbeatable, but they have all fallen down. The Greek, the Romans, Napoleons. We could even include times of Christendom when the church had a great power in this age, in this time, in this world. All of them are gone. Some of them leaving, of course, a better legacy than others, but all of them part of history. However, the invisible kingdom of the Lion of Judah is still standing. What is worldly and visible is futile, but the invisible is lasting. God has hidden his kingdom in the human hearts so that it may not be snatched out by his enemies. And that kingdom is growing today, let me tell you, in an invisible way. But through the evangelization of the church, this is growing in a silent way in so many hearts, even in our own hearts gathered here tonight. Just a few hours ago, we came back from a retreat in Mount Angel, 50 college students. An amazing experience. You should see how the weekend went. We just came back. It was an amazing, amazing weekend. Conversions. People who went from unbelievers to believers. Believers who gave their whole hearts to, to Christ. People who made decisions, important decisions for their lives. And all that happened silently. We didn't even know about it. And they are probably now in their dorm rooms and apartments that look and smell the same. But everything has changed. A new kingdom has taken a hold of their hearts. A change of administration that changes everything in their lives. So this kingdom is invisible. It happens in the hearts. And that is what Jesus wants to claim in this night. Kingship over our lives. Every single aspect. He wants it all. But this kingdom is not only invisible, but it is also invincible. It is a kingdom of hope because the great king promises the victory. He has, in fact, already won. So that those who welcome this kingdom in their hearts begin to partake in that victory. And it may seem at times that we go backwards, that this is the end. Let me tell you, the end of Christianity was declared countless times in history. At the time of the crucifixion, they thought that that, that was it. With the first persecution expelling them from Jerusalem and the synagogues, that would, you know, that would be over. It wasn't. It only grew from there. With ten persecutions in the first three centuries, that has to be it. It only grew from there with the barbarian invasion and the sack of Rome, 
People thought that it was the end of Christianity. It only grew from there. With the killing of Christians, with the French Revolution, with the totalitarian regimes, and even today, how many people prophesied that this would be the end in the Western world of Christianity? Every time that Christians have been persecuted, instead of being killed, they grow. They asked a Chinese Christian recently, why do, they, why do you think that the church in the West doesn't grow more? And he responded, because it hasn't been persecuted enough. It is a kingdom that is invincible. When you think that it's going backwards, it's only advancing all the more and growing all the more in the hearts. It is invincible because Christ, the King, is invincible. We are always ready to celebrate a victory because Jesus is not giving in. He's not giving up. The victories that really matter in life, you will only obtain them if you unite yourself to Christ the King. Past summer, we had the opportunity with a big group from, from Newman to go on a pilgrimage to Rome, Assisi, and then we went to Medjugorje. And on the way to Medjugorje, we stopped in a place that is in, in Serb, somewhere in Serbia that's called Siroki Brijeg. It's a very tiny town uh, that it only became important because 66 Franciscan martyrs died there. So there's a convent there, and in the year 1945, with um, you know, communist persecution, 66 Franciscans gave their lives there. So when the persecution began, they went underground and they built these almost tunnels where they would go underground and be able to continue formation and study and not be seen and, and killed. Well, when they found them, they killed them in that very place. And they gave each of them the opportunity to renounce their faith. And they would grab the crucifix and repeat the phrase of St. Francis my God and my all. And then one by one, they died and they were thrown into that pit. Well, we had the opportunity to, to pray in that place. It is a loaded place. We were in those tunnels and we prayed the 30 of us. You should see the power of that prayer. You can still feel, you know, on the walls, the blood of these martyrs. I brought for myself five stones from that cave that I have on my desk. And so every day I see them. And every time I study, I prepare something. I, I keep in mind what they said. That is the invitation today. Do you want to see Christ win? Be victorious in your life. Repeat this phrase, my God and my all, with your whole heart, and you will see it happen. So those who welcome the great King in their hearts, and give him absolute powers to reign, they start creating a kingdom culture. We see in the gospel today three attitudes of those who were outside that kingdom, all those who didn't open their hearts to Jesus. They jeered, they sneered, and they reviled. And so if you start following Christ, be sure that there's always going to be people who will sneer, jeer, revile you as Jesus was on the cross. 
But those who welcome Christ in their hearts, they begin a kingdom culture that does all the opposite. They are the ones who compliment, cheer, and extol others in the faith. And that brings about a victory in this very world. So that is the invitation for us today, that we may continue to build that kingdom culture among us of those who have given their hearts totally and absolutely to the Lord and let him reign, my God and my all, so that he may create among us a kingdom culture. I want to invite all of us that this week we may repeat this phrase, maybe three times a day, maybe just for the three first days of the week until you go home for Thanksgiving, because then it will be harder to remember. But three times a day, my God and my all, and give him power over your heart, over your life, as you say that. And you will see the amazing things that the great king can do in your life. And I want to finish by inviting all of us to give our lives to Christ. Do not fear. Because what Christ can do in your heart when you turn it over to him, it's amazing. So I want to invite all of us to desire to become a saint like all those that we went through in history. They were no different than you are. They just opened their hearts to the great king and they let him reign in their hearts. Because the times of the saints are far gone. The times of Peter and Paul and the lover John and the great wise Aquinas and all of them, they're far gone. Even the 66 martyrs of Siraki, they're gone. They're all in heaven right now. They're rejoicing. This is our time. This is your time. This is your decision point. This is your moment to give your heart to Christ. John Henry Newman has a beautiful, a beautiful paragraph where he says, Once it was the turn of others. Now it is our turn. Once it was the apostle's turn. It was St. Paul's turn once. He had all cares on him all at once. He did his part well. And at the end of it, he said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. And after him, the excellent of the earth, the white-robed army of martyrs. But he continues to say, Now it is our turn, and all our ministering spirits, they are keeping silence and looking on. Oh, let not your foot slip, or your eye be, fall, be false, or your ear dull. Be not dispirited, be not afraid. Keep a good heart, be bold, draw not back. You will be carried through. This is our turn. So I want to invite all of us that we may give our hearts to Christ the King so that we may build around us a kingdom culture.